0: Welcome back to your favorite or soon-to-be favorite podcast, Bold Perceptions, a podcast where we share positive energy from every single perspective you can possibly ever imagine around the world. Our mission, connect the doers, and today we are connecting you with a doer. His name is Joey Hanel. He's quite the character. He's currently in Tunisia, Africa, training for the Boston Marathon. Joey played Division I basketball at DePaul University, 6'7". I believe he played in March Madness at one point. Graduated from DePaul, a great university. Decided, I'm going to move to Australia. Why? Because it's awesome. It's got beaches. It's got sun. It's got deadly animals. But entrepreneurship. He started some basketball camps there, made some money, enjoyed his time, but yearned for competition, yearned for that training He used to do playing basketball and said, I'm going to run the Boston Marathon. So he went to Africa. He went to Africa, climbing mountains, running around, training, helping in the school system with his girlfriend, giving back. I freaking love it. Jake and George had an amazing conversation with Joy about all sorts of stuff. You'll get great energy like I did when I listened to it. It's good. I like it. But hey, write reviews. Okay, message us on Facebook, Instagram. Get in contact. We want your feedback. We want you a part of this community. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know how you can be a part of this community. Also, let's do an exercise. It's a grateful exercise. I'll even help you out. Okay, before you start this, I want you to pause and say something you are currently grateful for. Here's what I'm grateful for. I'm currently packing for a trip this weekend to La Spezia. And why am I grateful? Because I love traveling. It's amazing, and Italy is great, it's cool, it's neat. So what are you grateful for, ready? Pause. Okay, I'm happy you did that. Now enjoy the episode.
1: Bold Perceptions is back in your ears. Jake and I are back. Um, George, for those who don't recognize my voice yet, hopefully, um, we're back. We have a very interesting guest on today. It's actually 10 p.m. our time. Our guest is time traveling to 7 a.m. the next day. Maybe we'll talk about his time travel secrets, but uh, we're looking at him right now. He's got a nice Mac background of uh, an unidentified African plant. Maybe uh, you can start, Joe, by a little introduction and maybe some, you know, do you see lions, zebras walking past you in the background? Or?
2: Gentlemen, appreciate it you having me on um no lions no zebras a lot of birds um, and a lot of bugs but yeah i'm in uh tanzania africa been living here for two months and uh yeah calling in from like you said nine hours ahead uh 7 a.m you guys are staying up for me which is nice it's i think 10 i believe there this is the only time where you guys weren't working i wasn't working and everybody in my house wasn't asleep so i appreciate the accommodations
3: yeah, well, perfect. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Excited
2: to have you. Both haven't seen you for a while, so that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, got- bit, right, been forever. Like we, uh, I don't know to step on your feet, guys, but to make a connection, we played basketball and baseball together at Prior Lake from like what fifth grade to eighth grade, yeah. and then uh, I mean probably haven't talked since then. i off and on communicated like through Instagram, or whatever, but haven't really seen each other since then. So it's good to reconnect.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like a Shaq and Kobe thing, you know. I mean, we, uh, <laughs> we lost him on the court. No ugly ending, of course. We're, we're, talk, we're on top terms again. But, uh, yeah, so, Joe, I mean, speaking of, uh, you know, sports, athletic stuff, I know one thing that you're big on right now is running. You're actually training for the Boston Marathon, right? You're coming back to the stage for that.
2: Correct, yeah. I, um, I got back into – not got back into – I got into distance running probably about a year ago. I was, in, I was living in Australia at the time, and I was out in Spain visiting my girlfriend, and I was kind of bored with my training after I was done playing hoops in college. I didn't really have anything that was kind of satisfying those competitive needs, so I thought, um, I thought I'd run a marathon because it's something I never wanted to do, uh, so I was like, I might as well do it. I have to do it. Uh, I trained for eight weeks and uh, ran it and actually surprised myself, ran pretty well, and then in the back of my mind, I kind of had... Boston right you have to qualify it's pretty tough but my time was close enough uh on my first marathon where i thought if i really did some smart training uh implemented like a little bit of sports science here and there i could have a shot at it so that's kind of where my mind's at right now um i'm 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 technically 8 weeks into my training but um i haven't been able to train for the last 4 weeks i started off i started off really strong 4 weeks here in my first 4 weeks in Tanzania And, uh, I started getting this blister on my heel and I kind of just thought I'd run through it. Um, but it got progressively worse and worse and worse. And eventually it got infected and, uh, I had to take some time off. I'm still, so I took four weeks off, but I had, I had also signed up for the Kilimanjaro marathon, which was like three days ago and I didn't want (laughs) to drop out of it. So I decided to run it. I hadn't trained for four weeks it was an absolute nightmare I got buried it took me like four hours and 17 minutes which if I'm trying to qualify for Boston I'd have to run under three hours so it was a incredibly humbling experience but I'm glad I did it I didn't want to not do it so I think I probably have like a week or two left letting this thing heal and then I'll just have to hit it back up again and hopefully by the end of May I'll be ready but uh I didn't wanna I don't wanna give up on it. So we'll see. Just gotta train harder, I guess. Train smarter too. That was pretty dumb on my part.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. But I mean the pros of that, you probably had a nice Kurt Schilling bloody sock going, you know, symbolism of working
2: hard, perseverance. <laughs> right. I have like, an absolute warrior out there. It didn't look pretty, but yeah, the Kurt Schilling bloody sock. That put me through it.
3: So I just gotta know, how do you get into the mindset to run four hours? How do you not stop yourself after three minutes like most people would? 10 minutes in my case.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good word to put though. It's a mindset. Um training really helps. Not only are you training for your body, but you're training your mind as well. So, when I first started running a year ago, I was like in the same same shape as you guys. I ran 2 miles and uh I couldn't possibly fathom running 25 more. And you just kind of got to get through the first few weeks of training and understand that it's gonna suck a little bit and you start to fall in love with it it's just like anything uh you're bad at it at first start putting in the time you start to get better and then it kind of gets addicting when you start to see that growth uh and for me it's it's kind of a challenge right I hit the first marathon I ran I hit like the two hour mark and you start to think like man I still have another hour to go and in my last case I still had two hours more to go um but you're so far invested at that point that Quitting's is not, it's not really an option. Um, wanting to quit isn't as hard because uh, you're just so committed. Like I said, you're two hours into it. You'd hate to throw it away and just stop. But you get used to it. You train your body and your mind just like anything else.
3: Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. What is the, uh, the training? Because I'm sure you go incremental each day, each week. Sure.
2: That kind of work. Yeah, so um, the first marathon I ran I had eight weeks to train for it. And I just, I just did miles. So the first week I had to get done, you know, 25 miles. My longest run was at six miles. The second week I had to do 28 miles with my longest run at eight miles. And I just progressively went higher and higher and higher, which is not the correct way to train. Um, So this time around, obviously I knew I had to put in some serious work and research if I want to hit under three hours. So I've I've read a few books and um, kind of the, the format that I have is eight weeks of base training to start. So uh, I'm essentially training my aerobic system where I'm not, not to get too deep in the weeds here, but I got to be able to run at a fast enough pace where I'm not breaking my anaerobic threshold. So I'm not tapping into the the systems that are using glycogen, glucose, stuff like that, because that won't last you very long. You have to be running, just burning fats for as long as you can, for as fast as you can. So the first eight weeks are training that system. Then I believe the next four weeks, or the next two weeks will be uh, speed training. So you're doing a lot more sprints, you're doing hills to try and raise the pace at which you can run, Um, you can maintain that speed. And then it's more base training, and then towards the end you get more into event specific running. So it's like, obviously a marathon has 27 miles. So one day I'll do 14, the next day I'll do 13 to try and simulate a marathon without totally breaking down your body. Uh, there's a lot more science involved in it this time around. It's not just going out there and running 10 miles like I did last time, but I do kind of like it. I was, a, I was an exercise science major. Um, so it's a chance for me to kind of get back into that realm and uh use those muscles a little bit so to speak i i don't really do i don't really see my career going in that direction so it's nice to be able to use that information i learned in college
1: that's yeah, crazy 100%. so when you're going on these runs i gotta ask is are you going through you know like uh the jungle book uh background what terrain are you hitting? are you, are you in a living simulation of zoo tycoon <laughs> with the monkey singer?
2: <laughs> right i I thought that's what it was gonna be like i'm not gonna lie like, it's like, it's probably going to be like the Lion King a little bit, right? Um, now the city I'm in, uh, we're in Arusha. It's like, it's probably an hour away from Kilimanjaro. Um, and it's pretty urban. I, what, mm, it's, it's tough to say. Africa is hard to describe. Tanzania is hard to describe to somebody that's never been here. Um, there's a lot, it's a lot less Lion King, but it's also not like a city that you'd be used to in the United States. Um a lot of hills which is really tough but also like a lot of uh a lot of fields once you get out of the city it's it's pretty wild you'll be running and um obviously being the only white person is kind of weird it's different so you get people honking at you all the time um waving at you all the time little kids want to run with you which is kind of fun um i made the mistake one time of running with my shirt off and I was just like sexually harassed for 10 miles by all the dudes on the side of the road because they just love the white dude with his shirt off. So had to make that adjustment, don't do that anymore. But um, it's cool, the train's cool, man, it's dope. It's a good way to see a country, right? So um, I don't have a car, I don't have a bike or anything like that. So the way you get around is by buses, which are pretty accessible here, but running is a good way to kind of get to know where you're living. Um, I like to run in the mornings so I start off and it's pretty dark but the sun comes up and if you're lucky you can see Kilimanjaro and then uh, we're also at the base of Mount Meru which is the ninth ninth tallest peak in Africa Um, so it's it's scenic man there's nothing like it it's beautiful it's a good way to start your day too that's probably my favorite part
3: that's awesome good for you man that's really awesome um and so kind of going off like the scenic and whatnot, what are you, what are you doing in Africa
2: right now? Like, why are you there? Is it just for fun or are you doing anything? Like- so yeah, that's a good question. Um, my girlfriend and I are living here together. Um, we, she lived in Spain last year. I lived in Australia and uh, we decided we want to do one more bigger trip slash experience before we move back to the U S and maybe plan our route somewhere. So, um. We got in touch with a man who runs the school here. It's a public school um, funded through a Belgian organization. So they have some outside assistance, but we're essentially just volunteers there. Um, it's pretty loose. We, we really just kind of help out the teachers there, doing whatever they need us to do, filling in the cracks. Um, there's, there's 2,000 students and there's 30 teachers. So if you do the math, it's uh, you guys can do that. I don't want to do it. It's pretty crazy, but you'll go in, you'll go into classrooms and, um, you know, the classrooms will be about as big as they're probably 20 by 30. But there's 80 kids in there and there's one teacher. Um, so it's it's hectic and the teachers need a lot of assistance. They do a really good job, but there's only so much one teacher can do. Uh, so we've been helping a lot with the English teachers. Um, I've been tutoring some of them as well. So they'll come in on their off periods, and we'll do some English lessons here and there. Learning English is really big here. If you can learn English, it'll help you get ahead. But, you know, the government, I think the government doesn't do a a tremendous job on focusing on education, and you could ask a lot of people here and they'd say the same thing. So it's tough to get these kids going in terms of academic progress. So I've just been focusing on working with the teachers and helping them in turn work with the kids. Um, there's other things to do here, like things you wouldn't expect, um, things that we take for granted in the United States, for example, I've been trying to digitize all of their exams. So if a teacher wants to give an exam here, they go into this big book with a bunch of exams, and they write down all the questions on a sheet of paper. And then they go into their classrooms, and they write down from their sheet of paper on the blackboard, and the students sit in their desks, which is three to a desk, 80 in a classroom. and they just write down the problems in their notebooks and hopefully write down the answers. So I'm just trying to get all of their tests on the computer, you know, it's simple things like that, that you wouldn't even think about in the United States, but um, they don't really have the the time or the resources here to do it. So uh, we're just trying to facilitate and help where we can. Like we're not gonna be able to make this massive difference in three months, but all the work we can do is, uh, it helps, I guess.
3: Yeah, probably pretty reward, reward, rewarding, too. Um, and then kind of a three-part question. One, uh-huh. what age group are you doing that with? Two, what would you say, besides all the students in the classroom, what's the biggest difference between the school system there and here? And then I guess part three would be that you said they're not allocating their resources and really focusing on educating the kids. What, is, what are they focusing that on, if you know?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a primary school, so it's kindergarten through seventh grade. Um, I work a lot. I work probably more with the younger students. Um, the teachers in the older classes are really focused on getting their students ready for a year seven exams. So they don't, they don't use us as much. Um, so it's nice to kind of get in with the younger students and try and develop a base for them. Uh, the second part was uh, the difference. Is that what it was, Jake? Difference between the US and here? um that's a good one there's a lot uh i would say the, the class size is the biggest one just because your teaching style changes a lot it's hard to reach every kid when there's 80 of them Um, but the way the way in which they educate is just is just so different um it's a lot of call and response type of education so the teacher will ask a question and they'll have the whole class yell the answer which you know it's not right or wrong that's one of the things that that i think is important to understand when you go to different countries they have their way of doing things that is different from ours doesn't mean it's wrong it's just different um so there's not a lot of individual learning which we really get a lot of in the united states as much as people would like to complain about our education system yes there's flaws but it's pretty robust compared to places around the world um And then in terms of allocation of resources, that's probably like a bigger governmental bureaucracy question. Um, I couldn't really answer that one without making some judgments. Um, Government schools have government teachers, obviously, and they're taught through a government program, but the government program is very uh, strict and perhaps very proud here. So they don't allow a lot of external help. So for example, um, the English textbooks that I'm transferring these tests to, you're writing down the questions and there's a lot of basic errors in the textbook. And it's like you're trying to teach these kids with textbooks that are inaccurate, but they're translated from somebody who speaks Swahili and not native English. So it's kind of frustrating. It's just unfortunate for the kids. But um, you know, a lot of people you talk to here, they, they do say it's getting better it's just slow, you know, like process is so slow no matter where you are in the world, so it, it'll get there, it just takes time, and it takes a lot of strong people, a lot of strong Tanzanians to move the effort, and there's a lot of people at Bara at my school that do that, um, they're involved, they go into the city a lot and talk to the councils and try and fix these things, but um, yeah, it takes a while.
1: Yeah, no, I'd imagine that takes, you know, quite a bit of time, and that's, you know, that's the fun in it, you're developing a curriculum, and Probably a lot of critical thinking involved. And another thing I wanted to ask: so you got kind of the standard main topics, if you will, of an American school system. Uh, I'll, I'll go math. You know, English. You got science. Maybe some social studies, history stuff involved. Mm-hmm. What are the main, you know, main three or four things at the top of your hierarchy as a as Mr. Joe in the classroom? <laughs>
2: what, what do I view as the most important things to learn or what are they learning here?
1: What are they learning
2: there? And then we'll go to, what do you view it? Sure. Sure. Um, the the younger kids are working on a lot of Swahili. Obviously it's just like us learning English growing up. Um, and then I would say, I would say social sciences are a little bit more important here just by nature of how people live their lives. So, um, a lot of questions about you know the environment and and how to cultivate the land things like that because that's what a lot of people will be doing when they grow up um so it's different you know there's less calculus and there's more environmental sciences if that makes sense um a a big thing here that they learn a lot about is um like basic health um that's something that needs to be learned And then when they get older is English. So I would say, I would say those Swahili um, health sciences, I guess you would say environmental sciences and English. Um, For me, uh, I I think English is very important um, because it's going to be, it's going to help them in the future with a lot of jobs and communicating a lot. Swahili or English is not huge here, but in a lot of the professions that um, a lot of professions require it. You know, if you want to move up, English is very, very important. Um, And I do think the environmental sciences are huge here. Uh, You know, the classic questions that you would read in textbooks in the United States are like, you know, you have the ones where it's like, Sally buys 10 watermelons and eats six of them. How many does she have left? You know, like weird questions like that. They have questions here that are talking about like, um, you know, so-and-so is has it has an open wound in the field and cannot make it back to their house, how would you best address this wound so it doesn't get infected? You know, it's like real world issues that these people have to learn. Um, less watermelons, more, more, uh, more common sense, which I really like. I don't think common sense and real world issues are taught enough in the United States.
3: Fascinating. Kind of goes to show how lucky we are here in the States. And like you said, a lot of people do complain about our education system but just comparative to that uh, i think we have a pretty uh lucky here We're pretty uh oh,
2: it's in, it's incredible it's incredible i think it's one of the best things about traveling um is i you know i've been i've been to so many places i've been really lucky to travel um and i, I i'm not going to lie i love the usa man like it's it's my favorite country out of all of them my favorite uh it's ugly at times but like we have it really good in the us uh it's unfortunate that it it takes traveling all the way to Africa to understand that, but um, yeah, man, life's good in the United States. Can't complain.
3: Perspective, 100%, 100% perspective.
2: Exactly, you're, yep, you're totally right, Jake.
3: And then, uh, so you mentioned you've traveled to a lot of other places. Where else have you been in the world recently?
2: Recently, yeah, so I, uh, last year, like I said, last year I lived in Australia. I, uh, I graduated from DePaul in uh, June of 2018. And then in July, I moved to Sydney, Australia, which is beautiful, by the way, 100% recommend it. Um, while I was there, I ran my own basketball training business, just something to pay the bills, allow me to train a little bit um, and travel a little bit. And so while I was there. <clears throat> I did New Zealand with my girlfriend, we went to New Zealand for Christmas, which other than I, I would say I would, I wouldn't rather live anywhere else in the United States, but I wouldn't rather travel anywhere else other than New Zealand. That place is incredible. Like, so much to do, isolated from the rest of the world. The people there are tremendous. Um that's a huge, huge recommendation for your listeners. But then um my girlfriend at the time was in Spain, so I went over to Europe. We did Spain for a while and then we went to Greece, which is beautiful too. So that's kind of the ones I've been doing recently. And then um at the end of the month, so we're here for three months in Tanzania. January to March, the end of March I'm sorry, and then in April we're going to do a month of traveling throughout Africa so we're actually we're finalizing the itinerary today. I think we're going to start buying flights and buses and stuff like that, but we'll hit um I believe Mozambique, South Africa, Zambia, Gambia, and maybe Lesotho so um, <clears throat> yeah, just hope I'm trying to get that travel bug just kind of taken care of before i uh before i settle down but that'll be an interesting one traveling in africa we've done just a little bit through tanzania um it's crazy but uh but worth it
1: no 100 percent, 100 percent. i love that you're getting the travel bug out too because you know you know it'll come to an end semi semi an end at some point.
2: right exactly yeah and that's kind of uh i don't know that's kind of the tough part about getting older and i'm sure you guys are experiencing that too where you got to be responsible and provide for yourself, but you're also trying to kind of like explore those niches that you still are curious about, which is why I think what you guys are doing is dope. Like a lot of people, they hit that job and that's all they do. And you guys are kind of pushing the boundaries and, and doing other things other than that. I, I actually have a question for you guys. Um, like how difficult is it for you guys to work your jobs and then do something on the side? Because I've, I've been lucky in my short adult life where I've kind of controlled what I've been doing in terms of work. Like I haven't had a strict schedule or anything like that. So for me, I've always been able to create time for what I've wanted to do. I've had a lot of free time, but I'm kind of like hesitant about that nine to five. If it comes my way, like how do you guys make time, make energy, stuff like that to get it done outside of work?
3: Yeah, no, that's a real good question. So, I actually get in, like, a little bit of trouble at work sometimes uh, just because I'm always trying to do something for the social media on my phone, either, like, <laughs> or, like posting something or doing something or whatnot, but uh, I would say outside of work, it's something to do that is productive and fulfilling, and so mm. I honestly don't even look at it as, like, a second job. It's something that I want to come home and do.
1: I enjoy doing it. I think George does, too. Yeah. No, I doubt def- sure definitely enjoy it and it actually kind of keeps me going you know like you said you're ha- you're a little hesitant on the nine to five thing 8 to 5, it is. but this kind of makes me feel like it, uh i have a little more dynamic to myself right and i learn like, yeah i'm learning different perspective even you know seeing your uh your palm tree your african palm trees in the back travel bug and uh, kind of you know gets me on a mental vacation almost and
3: you're also learning a bunch of new skills like i've learned so much since i've started this i've learned how to uh use photoshop learn a bunch about social media i've started to uh i guess produce the podcast like edit them put uh, sounds together and then george and i soon want to learn youtube so it's helping you stack skills and that i just know apply to different jobs later on in my life or whatever I'm doing then so it's been I tell Nick this all the time super happy that he started this so I could come aboard because I've loved every second of it
2: yeah so the stacking skills thing I think is really important over the last two years since I've graduated um I've been kind of trying to go that route I don't really know what I'm going to do with my life nor does really anybody at our age but I'm just You know if you stack those skills right you're learning photoshop you're learning podcast editing uh you're learning communication skills by doing things like this hopefully when that opportunity comes around that does interest you those skills that you've built will allow you to capitalize so that's awesome like just being diverse uh so much of like when we were growing up we used to play you know we used to play basketball baseball and football together and then eventually a lot of people myself included you just kind of narrow your focus which you think at the time is right, but you just block yourself out from so many different things that you can learn about. So it's been nice for me to honestly get out of basketball and just kind of broaden my perspectives and, like, learn about different things. It's, there's a lot out there, obviously. So,
3: yeah, you're just basically saying that you kind of became basketball if that was your identity, and you're
2: learning that
3: you're so much more than just basketball. Is that how For
2: sure, yeah. Like, I think the pol- – DePaul did a really good job of presenting opportunities for uh, student athletes to explore different areas. But like when you're in the moment, that's really all you care about. Like there's four years of kind of just being focused on basketball, which was great. I loved it. I had a great time. But um, when I graduated, it's, it's the same old story that everybody faces like sports over and you're like, dang, like, what am I going to do now? Um, and the first few months were really, they were scary. Like it wasn't it wasn't like earth-shattering for me because i knew that basketball wasn't going to be my future but at the same time you have all this free time um you got to figure out what to do with it but once you kind of understand that you have options it's uh it's liberating at the same time cuz like i said there's so much out there you can kind of explore a little bit and start to understand what gets you going like george said what um what you do to kind of like invigorate yourself things that don't feel like work so I just tried to narrow in on those and explore them a little bit more.
1: Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that answer. And uh so first of all, Paul, a lot of respect, a
2: lot of credit for you. For George you. George, I miss you, man. I just gotta I just gotta throw it in. I miss <laughs> you. <man>. I miss <laughs> you, man. It's been so long. Jake, I miss you, man. It's so good to get back on this call. You guys haven't changed a bit. Not <laughs> one bit.
1: That's awesome. I mean, uh yeah, no, so, Oh, first of all, I do miss you as well, Joey. I'm am a little shocked, you know, seeing you across that, George. time traveling, as I said, and I, I I was gonna segue into my next thing. I mean, I respect the hell out of you for getting out of the continent, getting out of the hemisphere. You're in a different hemisphere right now, and I mean, I'd be scared. I'll be honest. I'll be I'd be scared, you know, going across the globe, traveling like you do. And I'm wondering. I mean, did you have like two or three light bulb moments that you could share where you're like, holy hell, like I'm out here living. I'm in a different country. I'm halfway across the
2: globe, but I mean, what did that? What led to that? Uh yeah, sure. So, um, I, the light bulb moment, man. Like, there's nothing like uh, for Africa. Australia was is not that tough. Like, it's far away. You're far away from your family, which is crazy. I remember my first night in Australia. I pulled up Google Maps, and like, there was my location in Sydney, Australia, and it's on the other side of the globe. So that was weird um to land in a in a continent in which you don't know anybody um was strange uh but Australia was nice man <laughs> like it's so nice living was easy uh the beaches are everywhere like I'm not even going to pretend like I was slogging through it like it was nice but uh Africa's different we uh luckily uh, my girlfriend is with me this time so it's a lot easier but we flew into the Kilimanjaro airport we get picked up by um one of the guys who works at the school and you're, you're driving through Tanzania and you're looking around and holy hell is probably a good way to put it. It's just so different, like so different. There's like the women with baskets on their head and babies on their back. And um, it's it's hard to explain being somewhere that you've heard about so much, but you've never been there and it's so foreign. Um, I would say the holy hell moments uh, I, I, we went to our school the first day and, um, you walk into a classroom and there's 80 kids and they're all just so loud. They're cute, but they're just so loud and it's overwhelming. And, uh, you're walking around, you try and meet some of these teachers and they don't speak any English and I don't speak any Swahili. It's a little bit better now, but, um, I never been to a place where I don't speak the language at all. You know, like I've been to Central America a few times. My Spanish is pretty good. When you go to Europe, a lot of people speak English so it's not a problem there dude like people who don't speak English here you don't you you can't you can't talk to them it's crazy but you you figure out ways i shouldn't say that you figure out ways but you're talking to these people and it's like man i really have no idea what you're saying zero idea so that's wild we get done with the school tour and i'm like hey i got to use the bathroom like where are the the bathrooms and uh the head teacher is like just, you know back over there behind the students bathroom. So I walk down the dirt path, take a left into the bathroom and I walk in and um, the bathroom is a hole in the ground. Like that's your bathroom at work. So like you use the bathroom and then you fill a bucket with water and you splash it on the hole and remove the excrements. And like, that's that's how you roll here. And um, like I said earlier, there's like a few things where you look at it and you're like, what is going on here? But you do have to realize that, like, this is not your country. And these people have been living here for thousands of years, and they're doing just fine. So you just kind of got to adapt to it. Um, I'll give you one more, one of the crazy things, public transit here. So in Chicago, you take the L, right? Like, pretty nice. Like, you see a couple crazy people every once in a while. Like, not a big deal. Sydney, Australia, buses, trains, really nice. Here, if you want to get somewhere, you can take something called the Dalla Dalla. And uh, it's a 12-passenger van, right? Like, you're sure you're used to those, like, 12-passenger van, big white van, whatever. And um, they've gutted it and put, like, five rows of seats in it. And um, they fit as many people as possible on these buses because it's, like, it's a crime to turn away business here, right? Everybody's really hustling out here. So, um, a 12-passenger van, and the record so far is 27 people in one of the 12-passenger vans. So that's a holy hell moment, you know, like I'm going to the market to try and get some vegetables and fruits and you get on the bus and it's full and you're like, All right, whatever and all of a sudden you start making stops and they just keep adding and adding and adding these people and you're like, There is no possible way we can fit more people on this bus But they find a way. Uh yeah, so the record's twenty seven. That's crazy. Um a holy hell moment looking in the bus and being like, There's twenty seven people in here right now. <clears throat> yeah
1: and you're six five right are people looking at you like dude you're taking up three spots four spots
2: so you have no idea I'm six seven and so like oh. if you get in one of the back seats I can't sit straight I have to shift my legs to the side because I physically don't fit and these people sit down and they're like oh here's this white guy like taking up two seats and I just look at him I'm like I'm sorry like I
3: What do you want me to do?
2: I can't really really do it. Yeah, but the people here are super nice. Like, nobody ever really gets mad. Sometimes they'll kind of look at you like whatever, but they're really helpful. You know, like you're on the bus and I don't know how to stop the bus the first few times. You come to your stop and I'm like, I have no idea what to say. I'm in the back corner of the bus and you kind of just like say hey to the bus driver, but they don't speak English either. And the people will stop him for you and tell him that you need to get off. So people here are super accommodating and and uh, I'm sure they're used to white people just being confused all over the country. So they help you out. They've been super nice.
3: That was good. That's, that's super. That's crazy. I'm getting the travel bug lately. Nick is uh, over in Italy right now. He's been all over Europe. Sure. A couple, I got another friend that's been in 68 countries. And so now talking to you, it's, it's crazy, uh, the experiences. I'm guessing you've grown a ton as a human, mm-hmm. as a person, learned a ton. And so I'm hoping, depending on how this coronavirus goes, I'm hoping to start traveling summer. Uh so just wanna thank you for sharing all that. That is uh some fascinating stuff.
2: Yeah, man, you gotta do it. The the one thing that I say, not to just be like be doling out advice here, but um you I meet a lot of people who are like, That's crazy. Like I could never do that. I or people who say I always want to do it. And it's like it was like I was talking about with a podcast. Like for me I wanted to start a podcast and I was like, yeah, that'd be great. I'd really love to do it. But I just, I simply didn't take the necessary steps. Right. Like I talked about it and I wasn't really about it. So like my, my, my phrase is buy the ticket, right? Like if you just buy the ticket, there's no going back. So if you're thinking about it, buy the ticket and figure everything else from there. Cause if you have that deposit, you know, if you spend 800 bucks on a flight, there's no way you're not going to figure out the rest of it. And uh, it's a shame. Like, it's sad, especially young people our age. You see them talking about these things that they want to do. And traveling the globe has really made me realize that a lot of the things that you want to do, you can really do. Like, you can. It's, it's, it's hard. It takes a lot of work. But it's so doable. You just got to buy the ticket and kind of put some pressure on yourself. Put some skin in the game to uh, to actually make it make it work.
3: We talk about it all the time. It's stepping outside of that comfort zone. It's the biggest sure got to do and once you're outside the comfort zone it seems that's when the most exciting fun things, best things start, sort of happen um and so i guess uh probably coming to an end here we've been doing this now for it's almost been what
1: 40 minutes
2: this is good though yeah i
1: think, I think you just bought a ticket to get back in the podcast <laughs> yes wow. yes
2: that was my end goal
1: do you have any uh final
3: thoughts here final words
2: um yeah I kind of just gave you my nugget of wisdom there, but um the comfort zone is huge man it's uh It's an empowering feeling to for me for me getting out of my comfort zone has been traveling um it's been an empowering feeling to know that I can do things like moving to Australia and starting me own business or moving to africa and and faring just fine um It's a catalyst for growth right like you guys you guys seem to understand that if you don't ever push out of that zone, <clears throat> it's never gonna happen. So, um making the uncomfortable comfortable. That's been my biggest thing here in Africa. You know, I'm I'm very comfortable shitting in a hole now. Like I'm very comfortable being on a bus with twenty five people. Like, um things that I was not comfortable with two months ago are now not a big deal to me. And that's a transferable skill, right? Like being uncomfortable and learning how to figure it out, it's a huge skill. So yeah, it'd be my my negative advice. Along with buying a ticket, like just embrace it.
1: Love it, love it, love it. So Hope everybody out there, you know, gained some some nuggets of wisdom from Joey here. I think I'm going to go home and dig a hole and start shitting in it at home. <laughs>
2: there we go.
1: There we go. I am. I think I got to do it. I just got to buy the ticket. <laughs> it's a
2: movement, man. All it's right. natural.
1: Joey, this was a riot. We miss it back here. I'm sure you'll be back on the pod. And um, everybody out there, you know, follow us on Instagram. We're on Facebook, Twitter soon. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it. Uh, Follow us, Bold Perceptions, and Joey, thank you again, and we love all of our listeners. Yeah, thank you, Joey. Appreciate it, gentlemen.